All right, good evening. It is Monday, January 28th, 2019. Happy New Year. Happy New and Year. And welcome to the second episode of District 29's Political Action Committee podcast. This is District 29 Unpacked. I'm your host, Adam Gibson, and we are coming to you live from the second floor kitchen of Federation House on Victoria Avenue, in beautiful Belleville, Ontario, uh, where we have not made it through at exams yet. I'm no. still marking. I don't know if we're ever going to make it through. <laughs> tomorrow's a snow day for sure. Yeah, tonight the forecast is for the kind of snowstorm that your grandpa warned you about. So stay safe out there, I would say, people. January uh, seems like it won't die. January no. started, and it's just going to be uh, perpetual. So back for round two, we have Chris Masterson here. You want to say hello? Hello, everyone. And as I said, I'm Adam Gibson, but we have a special guest tonight. You want to introduce yourself, Mr. Marshall? Yes, Scott Marshall. Uh, thanks for doing this, guys. And I'm the uh, president of the local uh, OSSTF District uh, 29 Teachers Federation here. All right. Thanks for being here. Uh, I would just like to say off the top that we are internet sensations. Uh, oh, wow. Are yeah, we? Really? Well, as of 10 a.m. this morning. I know I Greg Stevens like that. <laughs> Hold on. I got a Greg reference down here. Okay. Uh, we're at a whopping 40 listens wow. to episode one. We're shooting for 100, I think, for episode two. Um, so thank you, too, to those who offered some feedback, including Greg Stevens, who actually wrote an email. We had one email response. Really? Uh, yeah, and a handful in, per, uh, in person as well. Remember that you can email us with questions or comments, guest suggestions, things you'd like to see covered, whatever, at d29pac at gmail.com. Uh, we know, too, we got to try and find a platform that allows uh, downloading right to devices a little easier. Uh, a lot of people are streaming uh, to hear us. They did for episode one. So we'll see what we can do to improve upon that. Um, and we are in the midst of firing up the dormant District 29 PAC Twitter account, which many people may not know exists, but we have discovered it. Yeah, it, uh, I didn't know it existed, that's for sure. <laughs> and you followed it. That's right. <laughs> I followed it and I didn't even know it was there. Because I don't think anyone's actually put anything on it since 2010 or 11 or something. I was telling Scott before, the last one, it might have, it was either an Ernie Eves complaint or it was a Hudak complaint. So <laughs> we had we had to blow the dust off that. And we'll get it fired up soon uh, for yeah, episode three. We'll have someone later. Likely Hudak. I don't know if we had Twitter when Eves was in. Eh? Like I don't how, how new was that? I, I think it was 2010 is when it was uh, created, that Twitter account. Yeah. That's what it said on it. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, luckily, too, our call for sponsors was answered, and this week we've got some who have chipped in, so stay tuned for their message between segments tonight. Uh, just to uh, recall, if folks would like to go back and hear episode one from early December, we covered uh, the election of our new board trustees, some of the priorities heading forward with the Ford government, and then our good friend Jason Bremner hopped in with an essay on the importance of putting down some roots now for the work to come later. So thanks again to all who listened and shared that one. Please share this one with your colleagues, too. Uh, we intend to record the last Monday of every month from here until the end of the school year. So keep your ears to the ground for any upcoming shows. Uh, tonight, we got a few uh, topics to cover. Later on, we want to discuss the successful efforts by some to push back against some of the Ford government's policies. Uh, Chris is going to jump in with an update on what our uh, fearless leader, uh, the Premier of Queen's Park, has been doing. But first... Uh, we are luckily joined here uh, by Commander-in-Chief Scott Marshall, who just stepped off Air Force One to talk to us <laughs> about an upcoming event. Uh, thanks for making the walk all the way down the hall, Scott. 
Uh, do you want to tell people about uh, the upcoming No Cuts to Education? Yeah, yeah, for sure I do. And 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 thanks uh, thanks for inviting me here, guys. And and I'm sure the uh, the number of listeners is going to continue to build. You got to start somewhere, right? Well, it for is us. now. You're here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, Province-wide, uh, OSSDF is planning uh, information rallies on February the 7th at uh, all the local MPP offices. Um, Daryl Cramp is uh, one of the MPPs that many members, uh, I guess, uh, have for their riding, uh, particularly our folks in the north in Bancroft. Yep. Uh, Limestone District, so our neighbors next door are organizing that rally. And that one is okay. going to be held uh, at his office uh, on the 7th at 3.30 p.m. in Napanee. Okay. So any of our members that live in his riding are invited to join them there. Uh, I'm certainly going to try to get over that day uh, and join them as well. Uh, our rally here is going to fall on February 8th, and that's because Todd Smith was away in Toronto on the 7th. Okay. We asked for a meeting with him on that day, and uh, he's accommodated, but it's the next day, which is the Friday. So um, some members of our local team will meet with him at 2.30, and we're asking all of our members uh, and anyone that supports public education uh, to be out at an information rally at 3.30 outside Todd Smith's office okay. on February the 8th. Okay. And uh, once uh, some of our colleagues arrive, what kind of stuff can they expect to hear from you guys following your meeting with Todd? Yeah, I think, you know, we got to talk a lot about uh, the reason we need to protect the public education system. Uh, you know, those who are big supporters understand it's a, it's a great equalizer uh, it certainly uh, makes sure there's uh, barriers knocked down and equal opportunities, and it's a great investment uh, on a go-forward basis uh, into the future. Yeah. Uh, this government is talking about you know 4% cuts across the board out of their budgets. So in education, that equates to about $1 billion out of education. Uh, we can't afford to take one cent out of education right now. Uh, locally, we've been uh, living with uh, a school board that's... Um, had to address a deficit and it's been yep. in a, a financial recovery plan for the past few years. And, uh, those, um, that plan took dollars out of our schools, out of school budgets, uh, out of capital, out of staffing. And, and we've seen the negative impact there yeah, for and, sure. and, uh, had a lot of concern by, by parents and, uh, staff in the buildings about what's occurred. So, uh, you know, if there's anything else coming out, it, it, it nothing but a detrimental effect, I guess, to, to everything that happens in our schools. Sila, what do you want to say? Yeah, I just wondered, are there other community partners that will be joining us on February 8th? Mm -hmm. uh, is that full, perhaps, part of this as well, or and QP, et cetera? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so uh, QP's lending support, FO's lending support, uh, we've sent the information out through the, we're active on the Quinty Labor Council. Good. So we've sent information out through the Quinty Labor Council. Uh, we've put it up on our website. So uh, the invite is broad and uh, we hope to see uh, as many folks out as, uh, as we can. It seems staggering when you say a billion dollars. <laughs> well, <laughs> it is real Dr. Evil kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you look at how that amount of money is to be saved, then uh, you're looking at things like, like staffing. So, sure. you know, you take uh, teachers out of the system, you see larger class sizes. Uh, and and uh, that really makes it uh, much more difficult to um, provide the individualized attention that you need to students. All those things that have been talked about in, in this debate about reducing class sizes. Uh, you know, you see cuts to support staff and that support uh, for students, be it uh, in the classroom or keeping our buildings clean or managing the front office. Like there's, there's so many supports that are in there. 
working effectively with the students that we can't afford to that's, lose. Either. I mean, that's the one place where I've where I've really noticed. I'm glad to hear that uh, that we've got QP helping us out too, because I just found like anytime that I had a anytime I had an EA, and especially we've all been in rooms where the EA was so helpful, so yeah, awesome for, sure. for at-risk kids. Uh, you want to talk about saving credits, right? You could send an EA with a couple kids who could just pile up a couple assignments really quickly and they could really turn an at-risk room around. And what I've noticed a lot over the last few years is that seems to be, I, I feel like we've been able to push back pretty well, but the cuts there, I feel, are really recognizable. I've really noticed in the classroom where we're down to, maybe one EA who's actually out in classes now of a school of six or 800 kids. Right? And, I, and I think some of the issues around safety that have started to come up in our schools yeah, for sure. uh, kind of relate to that in the sense that if you had a, a needy classroom or a difficult classroom and in the past there was EA support, that's just another set of eyes, adult eyes to, to keep an eye on things. And now uh, with all the cuts, we don't have EAs and at least at our school, in the actual classroom other than the LSP, PLP classroom. No, it, it's, a, it's, it's a full-service education team, uh, all complementing each other. And when we're there and when the investment is there, um, you know, we see, we see good results. And, sure. and this, this rally we're holding is intended to really um, get the discussion going about the need to protect the public education system and to note that we can't afford any cuts at all. Uh, you know, we're, we're hearing talk uh, that concerns us about, um, you know, saving money through uh, privatization, be it uh, tax credits or, or charter schools or public-private partnerships, P3s. Those things haven't been successful uh, with regard to the educational outcomes anywhere that they've been applied. Anywhere so, in the world. <laughs> no, they, they, they haven't. So, you know, you maybe save a dollar today with something like that. You spend a lot more money down the road. Uh, dealing with the issues that uh, you end up with because you weren't investing in the, the education uh, while the, uh, the kids were all in school or even post-secondary. I think there's great value and I think there's concern as well about uh, uh, cuts that we're seeing there. And, yeah. and I know you guys are going to talk a little bit about yeah, the, let's, uh, let's, let's the put quote unquote 10% tuition second. cut later on. Yeah, yeah, and that's very, very concerning as well. Do you want to hop in? Well, I was just going to say uh, in our last uh, podcast, uh, in Jason's uh, essay piece at the end, yeah. he said, uh, you know, we need to do the work now to be ready for what's yeah, to come. And I agree. This, 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 is is the, this is the first step of what's uh, what we need to do to be prepared uh, to, uh, you know, potentially fight this government. So far, uh, it's questionable. We're not, nothing's really set in stone, but we know that there, there is trouble on the horizon for yeah, sure. Yeah, you're preparing now. That's right. Can we have that date again? And, uh, February 8th, February 8th, Friday, Friday, February 8th at 3.30 at, uh, Todd Smith's office. We'll, uh, have a social somewhere to follow. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, yet to be determined. Uh, but, um, for our members listening, uh, we're going to do an email blast to everybody with all the information Good. and we're trying to do worksite visits. But, uh, you know, hopefully our audience is uh, going beyond that. So uh, if you're a community partner or a supporter of public education, we hope to see you out there again. That's right at uh, Todd Smith's Belleville office, which is just uh, south of the bridge. And that's 3.30 um, Friday, February the 8th. And there's a, a pretty good list here of other things that uh, people can do if they can't make it out. Um, if you wanted to uh, put a little pressure, put a little little political pressure on the people who can make those kinds of decisions. You can call your local MPP, you can email them. Uh, and it's really important, I think, for us, you guys brought up vouchers and charter schools. 
for us to kind of learn about the potential issues which might be coming down the line uh, so that we can uh, be advocates for our workplaces and our kids and hopefully um, make sure that public education stays strong and healthy. Okay, thanks very much, Scott. And uh, we're going to head to a brief advertisement from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back with CeeLo uh, catching us up on what Premier Ford's been up to. Today's podcast is brought to you by a buck of beer. Are you tired of paying an obscene $1.25 for disgusting beer? Fear not. Ontario Premier and malfunctioning bagpipe Doug Ford has legislated a full quarter off of your bottled moose piss. Choose from a wide range of three offerings, including award-avoiding poison like Etobicoke's Cool Lager, Galen Weston's hand-picked Epicac replacement PC <laughs> Brew, and Barley Day's delirium-inducing Loon Lager. Buck of beer! You'll be so drunk, you won't even notice the rug being pulled out from under you. All right, welcome back to uh, District 29's Unpacked Political Action Committee podcast. And uh, we're going to see if we can start tonight a bit of a regular feature, which is just kind of a Queen's Park update. They give us so much to talk about. <laughs> I know I want to keep these to like 20 or 25 minutes, but then uh, as the list comes down of all the potential topics, I'm just cutting with a heavy <laughs> knife trying to get through all the fat uh, to the stuff we actually want to hit. So I'll throw it to you first, Cito. Give me something off the top that you feel like our membership should know a little something about. Well, I mean... It- but one of the one of the big issues is uh, I think we need a more of a general discussion around the role of government in taxation and and okay. there's this sense that uh, government cuts are always good and finding efficiencies they, they like to throw that term around as always <laughs> that's good. a buzzword and and, and more more than anything that tax cuts are always good yeah and that's where we get down this road and really for me uh, I, I think that's all uh, it's all a disguise for putting public sector. Uh, projects, public sector things that we traditionally have known into private sector hands so that, uh, you know, people that are lobbying, people that are giving money can make more money. Hey, and- Scott. <laughs> hey, guys, here's the key to lock up. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> I now have the, it's been, I, right? I now have the responsibility of locking this place up. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't give you keys to anything. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I wouldn't give you your own keys. Yeah, house, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, it is spin. Yeah. To uh, to try and and dilute government responsibilities and privatize them, it is uh, an, an effort to kind of confuse you about what's going yeah. on by telling you it's efficiency and well, it's tax and it's choice. That's and right. It's efficiency, but it's that's, that's not right. the purpose. That's right. right? I, I mean, there's so many different things you could look at. I look at just our hot plowing our highways, for example. <laughs> you look at something like that. You know, uh, throughout most of my life, it was operated by the provincial government paid employees of the government and 401 was was kept decent and that's when we had a lot more snow and weather than we seem to have Mm -hmm. now and over the last i don't know 10 or 15 years whenever they began privatizing that and contracting it out we've seen the the service level decrease so there's always a price to pay but i think just in general just as a preamble to talking about what the ford government's trying to do i think this notion that tax cuts are always good 
is is pretty false and and sometimes they are yeah if it comes into the hands of you know your everyday working people but so often that's not what this is about and and so uh i think that's a, the basis you have to put your that's the mindset you have to get into that you know tax cuts can be good but they're not always good and it's not a panacea for every problem out there that that the conservative government not just this conservative government but most conservative governments, sure. the, the Republicans in the states, the you know conservatives federally. This is small C. That's right. Uh, that's stuff. right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, give me something specific. Sure, Show sure. me. Tell me a policy. So one of the things that's uh, that's happened under this government is they've canceled 758 contracts uh, with penalties. Seems like liberal, a lot. Well, that's a lot <laughs> that the liberal government had put in place, and and uh, you know, well, their their supporters might think, great, you know, damn those liberals. Uh, and I'm not a big liberal supporter necessarily myself, but 758 contracts, there's a cost to that. And there's yeah, a cost sure. of $3.2 billion. So as they're talking about cutting 4% from every ministry, a recent uh, 10% uh, reduction uh, in the colleges and universities, now I know it's a 10% less tuition for students, but that's, yeah, also, we'll that. That, that's also 10% less to the colleges and yep. universities. As they're doing all these kind of cuts or talking about planning cuts, uh, class sizes, et cetera, which we'll get into in a minute, that amounts to – those contracts amount to $3.2 billion. And that, that number, like for, for reference in our first segment, Scott had noted that a 4% cut to the Ministry of Education would be approximately $1 billion. Right. And here's three times that. Right. Just lost through the canceling of contracts, contracts to own the libs, right? Right. Yeah. Just yeah. Out. Things yeah. like wind turbines, you know, anything uh, green energy based, which you know there might be some justification for uh, for that in some cases, but you know anything, it, it really is a, a kind of screw you to the to the entire <laughs> liberal part, liberal party. Okay, not good. Uh, what else? Yeah. So one of the other things that if people haven't been paying attention that that came up recently is the MPPs have given themselves a hike in rental allowance for their uh, Toronto apartments. That oh, a, little, they, a little pat on the a back. Little, a little, which, which on the surface of things, I would say yes, because the cost, as we all know, the, sure. there's a housing crisis in Ontario sure. and the cost of, of having a place in Toronto, let's say Todd Smith, for example, our MPP here, he has to have a place in Toronto and I don't begrudge him that. And yep. yes, the costs are going up. So maybe they need to increase that cost. Yep. But at the same time, they're not doing anything to help the average person who can't afford the skyrocketing rents if sure. they can even find a place to rent. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so imagine what it's like for those that are making less than one hundred and sixteen thousand dollars a year an MPP makes. Um, and at the same time as they're giving themselves that little uh, housing allowance, they're capping the minimum wage increase at fourteen dollars. Sure. And so imagine the the you know the poorest well not necessarily the poorest the poor the poorest working people. Yeah. Uh, they're not getting anything. <laughs> it's about priorities, right? It's, like it's if, about priorities. If, if we collect so much of a pie, right? How do we divvy up the pie? Right. Should the biggest piece of the pie go to the guy right. or gal at 116 grand a year, right. or to the guy or gal at 14 an hour? But I'll go back to my preamble, which is we wouldn't have to worry about things like this. This wouldn't be as much yeah. of a story if we weren't looking at cutting taxes every time you turn around. Every government's cut promising to cut taxes. Well, you know, I, I'm, I was born in 1970. I grew up in the 70s where tax rates were a lot higher. Yeah. Corporations paid a lot higher tax. Rich rich people paid a lot higher yeah. tax. Uh, you know, was it better then? I, I don't know. But we certainly had a lot better service from our government then. Sure. And it wasn't a constant cut, cut, cut. And as I got older into the, you know, 
late 80s, early 90s, that's when we started to see this agenda sure. of tax cuts. Tax and, cuts. and across the spectrum in the right. in the mid 90s, right? That's it was right. every it was the the federal liberals under Gretchen that's and Martin right. who were who were pretty hard on on deficit spending yeah. as well. Okay, give me one more. Okay, so I, I have a couple more. Okay. Uh, just recently, uh, I guess Doug Ford does not. Uh, does not a, uh, produce a, a daily schedule. So he's there's a lot of things. There's other he's issues. He's a busy man. He's a busy man. <laughs> he's a busy man. And, and no, <laughs> doubt, no doubt he probably is a busy man. I don't think he's like necessarily like Trump watching Fox News all day. But, <laughs> um, you know, Doug Trump uh, doesn't give his uh, schedule out too easy. He doesn't uh, hold press conferences. If he does, he takes questions from Sun Media or right. his own Ontario News Network or whatever they're calling themselves, <laughs> the, the conservative propaganda machine. But what, what someone uh, did reveal is that he met with the with Jordan Peterson, who's a, who's a university professor and a kind of well-known author. And, and, a uh, controversial controversial. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he met with him. And Jordan Peterson is quoted as saying that the Human Rights Commission needs to be abolished quickly. And so that that puts a little scare into me. It's just a little kind of side note, but that's something to think about. You know, I think human rights uh, in this province and in this country are extremely important. And Canada's at the kind of forefront in the world. And and to, to get rid of a, uh, to abolish a commission, not that Doug Ford has announced he's doing that, yeah. but I'm a little bit worried about who is he meeting with. Some and, strange bedfellows. And, and why wouldn't you want to have the public know who you're meeting with if you have nothing to hide, right? And so, I mean, I think it should be a matter of the public record to mm -hmm. know that at least through a, through a request, at least, that that could be made available to know. I mean, certainly, I feel like if the shoe were on the other foot and, and a, uh, a different uh, party were in power, that I could see this being something he would absolutely call for That's right. in the interest That's of right. trans and they all transparency. And they all and we're going to open it up for yeah. the little man. And who are you meeting with behind closed doors? That kind of garbage. It, it right? should be transparent. So the final thing to get to education, which is yep. what we're all here for, um, you know, the, the Minister of Education was asked to meet with, with the education unions and uh, sit down in good faith and partnership to find a way to save money. And the, and the unions have indicated that they're willing to do that sure. and, and uh, they're willing to help. Um, but of course we're willing to help, but I got three simple suggestions. There's three easy ways to help if they want to save money in education, get rid of uh, standardized testing, get rid of EQAO. That's number one, get rid of the college of teachers, totally unnecessary. <laughs> it, <it's absolutely, laughs> I was not expecting you to say that. Absolutely a farce. And then finally abolish the Catholic school system, simply merge the school systems into one there's your savings you need from education. So you you want <laughs> you want uh, the union's advice on on where to save. Um, you know that that's that's where I would start. And and in that they're talking. Of course they've mentioned the hiring practices under Regulation 274. Yep. And and as we know here in in our district when we were in declining enrollment, uh, 274 has its controversies and and it's and don't get me started. Yeah. So uh, you know I'm not saying that that doesn't need to be looked at, but I, I think that's something that we got to watch for. And then finally, of course, they're talking about class sizes. I think most people have seen that they're talking about uh, increasing or getting rid of caps altogether in kindergarten yeah, class there, sizes. <laughs> yeah, there was an article on CBC you know, last week about uh, primary cap size. And I, I have been in, like I've had two kids go through uh, yeah. JKSK and I taught JKSK for a little bit. 
holy Moses. Well, like and I, I have 30, co- 34 and five, three, four and five year olds in a room. Like it is a, I have uh, co-op students. Well, right now, up until this week that we're in those kind of classrooms. And I can tell you, it's a madhouse at the best of times. Yeah. And then the final thing is just, if they look at increasing class size, and there's some discussion of this in the secondary panel, a simple increase from 22 students to 24 student average across the, the, the province would mean a $10,000 cut in, or $10,000, 10,000 teachers cut. $10,000 would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice cut. 10,000 <laughs> teachers cut from school. So, you know, as the members have identified that um, safety has become more and more of an issue, certainly in sure Edfield, but but in secondary yeah, as well. Uh, you know, as it becomes more of a concern, they're talking about putting more students into our classes. And so there's lots to be concerned about, which is why it's extremely important that we get a large number of people out to yep. uh, the no cuts to education. Day, you got to speak Scott up. Mentioned. Uh, you got to speak up. And it, it's, as I don't know, Scott mentioned, but it's not a protest. It's an information sharing. Um, but it's important to have big numbers because the idea is that Todd Smith needs to know yep. that we support each other and we support uh public education if he thinks that uh or if they think they can get away with with all this stuff without pushback then 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 they they do it but i think you're going to talk about uh how pushback uh it can can work it can work can we finish just really quickly on uh, the cuts to uh post-secondary that we saw come down in the last uh, week or two um so there have been some we saw across the board uh, a 10 percent slash to tuitions which has been pledged sounds great by this guy you know it does on <laughs> on the surface right they've also um pushed for some opt-outs for a lot of student fees that even though they had gone through several uh, rounds of referendums from the student bodies at respective colleges and universities uh, the ford government's going to press ahead uh for opt-outs with those and we know what opt-outs means it means that wow. eventually that thing just disappears the, right? and and the one big thing is around the student union fees for sure and to me this is a trial balloon for what they yeah, want to do what they want to do across the province to unions which is that right to work you yep. you know we've seen it i think in michigan they've had right to work for quite a while now and now the the new uh governor there is actually repealing it um, so we're starting to see some pushback in the United States where it, it might be gone. And here we are headed in that opposite direction. And that, that's what scares me about the student union idea, students being it's allowed to opt out. I think it's a trial balloon for uh, what can they get away with uh, in, across the province. So there are a few things that uh, that I noted. Um, one is there's a six-month grace period, or there, there was previously, um, in the OSAP program where you didn't have to pay anything back until six months after graduation. That's being changed now to... I think I um, used 16 years. <laughs> uh, so that the interest begins to accrue right away. And that might sound like kind of small potatoes, but not when you're a student who's just graduated yeah. and you know compounded over an entire province. It, it's a pretty big change. Um, and that 10% slash in tuition fees has not been accompanied by extra money going into colleges and universities. It's just a loss of funds. And so the Minister for Training, Colleges and Universities, Marilee Fullerton, has said, well, there are a lot of places they can get money. And, uh, you know, they'll... More international students? (laughs) Well, that has been one option, right? Uh, Well, they'll just kind of figure it out, uh, saying that university and college um, budgets have ballooned kind of. But it's not as if it's not as if there's some kind of master plan here to to kind of help out in some other way. It's just a slash, and that will certainly hollow out. We'll probably see more part time 
uh, work at universities and colleges, which we have seen has become uh, a pretty big issue in labor over the last little bit. And in the end, the result is not going to be better education. I well, I, I think the bottom line is a lot of these things that we've talked about last podcast, this one, uh, they don't amount to, to real savings in the end. A lot of times they're they're kind of just uh, they're window dressing yeah. a little bit. They're you know take out of this place and you know give to this place uh, that that type of uh, thing. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. The ten percent not going back in is huge. Plus they changed the OSAP uh, or changed the liberal law that allowed low income people. And I don't know what the cutoff was, but yeah, the threshold, uh, the threshold, has, yeah, it's so that there's no uh, you know it used to be that if you, if your family earned so much money. Uh, you would get uh, free tuition in Ontario. There's a, there's a, yeah, and, that, and so that threshold has been raised, and the, there's a combination of grants uh, and loans, and the, that structure has been changed um, so that there was a point, there was a point when people could be um, entirely on grants, um, but that's going to be much more difficult uh, mm-hmm. if available. Going back to the old days when I went to school. <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> well, when I was in university for my undergrad, way, way, way back, yeah. uh, you, you got grants and loans, so I, I got okay. a little bit of both. And if you didn't pay your loan after the six-month grace period that they had, uh, your loan was guaranteed. So you didn't actually, you, although you got the loan from the bank, if you didn't pay, which I didn't for a little while because I had trouble finding work. Yeah, you time. don't have to excuse yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you know, uh, <laughs> deadbeat. Um, but uh, if you didn't pay, the government, the federal government, uh, guaranteed your loan to the bank. So oh, then the bank was paid off, so yeah. they're not coming after you, and it was the federal government, and we all know that the federal government's a little more lax with chasing down money than the same so bank owe, is. you owe John Diefenbaker personally. So I, John Diefenbaker, well, <laughs> maybe uh, Jean Chrétien. <laughs> I'm not sure about John Diefenbaker. That might have been the, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, right. Okay, well, uh, fear not colleagues, because there are uh, a lot of good examples over the last little while of people pushing back against policies and making some change. And that will be the focus of our next segment coming right up. Sacre bleu! Today's podcast is brought to you by the ghosts of Toronto's Francophone University, FU. Banished to the back bench of banished to the back bench of political priorities. Premier Ford has waved bon voyage to both Francophone rights and one MPP. Francophones can now enjoy the kind of education James Wolfe had planned for them when he died at the Plains of Abraham. Whoa. Leave it to a history teacher to show the Plains of Abraham. <laughs> oh, you ruined my joke. In an all-male powdered wig British institution, as God intended. From the ghosts of throne speeches past, the Francophone University begs of Premier Ford. Come on, ça va? All right, CeeLo, uh, Ontario Premier and anthropomorphic wrecking ball Doug Ford has had a busy eight weeks or so since Those we last... Words. Do you like that word? <laughs> yeah. I had to look it up. Since we last recorded, some of our colleagues uh, may feel like the next few years look bleak or that this is the pod's going to be a bit of a broken record and uh, a bitch fest, so to speak. Can I say that? I think I just did. Our contract is up in uh, August, and uh, we're facing a government which has deficit reduction on its mind, as we've said before. 
And with a full majority at Queens Park, I can see how people feel like, oh, what's the point? Why am I doing this? Uh, we can't yeah, do it. Sure. Yeah. I've already had members talk to me and say how they're they're worried. For well, sure. they should listen because I want to take time today for a message of positivity because there have been a few policies, I think, that the friend of the little guy has reversed under some public and political pressure. He's not my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to show that he's not immune to political pressure. Uh, in general. And if you were, I don't think that we would have much of a point. Like we wouldn't be here slugging it out in the colds of December. <laughs> it's January. Adam. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Look, okay. it's been a long week. Okay. Uh, but he is not immune to that pressure. And uh, we certainly do have a point being here. So a couple that I wanted to hit upon today. Um, one is the appointment of an OPP commissioner that stirred up a little bit of controversy. So a longtime Ford family friend, Ron Taverner, uh, was appointed as OPP uh, commissioner in December. And, and that led to uh, a series of frustrations that came out publicly uh, where it seemed like the process was abused to place him. That doesn't this sound just like Donald Trump? <laughs> like, really, really, we have a, a Trump mini-me here. In I don't know. It's so easy sometimes to say that, but I feel like ah, but it I know this one really does. It does. It does. <laughs> the rest of it, like, maybe. Nepotism. Yeah, I know. Like, I, next thing you know, he's going to have his wife or daughter uh, going to Israel to be the ambassador or something. Like, <laughs> That's his I guess son he can't. Law. I guess he can't do that uh, as Premier of Ontario. Anyway, but you know what I mean. Anyway, follow me here. <laughs> okay. So, um, Ontario Deputy Commissioner uh, Brad Blair filed a complaint, and this became a big public story. Uh, and in part, Blair complained about the hiring process and also that Ford had reportedly asked for a large camper-style van to be paid for uh, and procured by the police uh, off the books. It's so weird. Well, it really just fits with his hash dealing days, doesn't it? <laughs> like, it really does. Like, it scream- If that doesn't scream Breaking Bad to everyone, I don't know what does. I don't know. Anyway, at this point, this um, appointment is under investigation by Provincial Integrity Commissioner David Wake, who's investigating whether um, Ford played a role in the hiring so there were 27 applicants originally for the position. Blair argues that 23 of them met the threshold for qualifications. But a couple days after it had been posted, those qualifications were changed, changed. as right. in reduced, right. so that someone of a lower rank could apply, thus giving access to Ron Tavener, who leapfrogged those 27 people uh, and became uh, OPP commissioner. So... Um, I don't know. How does what's happened since then, do you think, support the idea that political pressure can can push back against Ford? Well, I think <clears throat> no politician is immune to public pressure. Yeah, uh, they they it's all about getting voted again, uh, if not for them personally, certainly for their party or to have their friends, their uh, the people that support them in, in power positions. So uh, they're not immune. That That's for sure. And yeah. Um, Even with the majority, if you well, like. yeah, because because they're it's it's thinking ahead, right? Yeah. Uh, so they they need to know they're constantly polling. They need to know that they have support for the next election. The issue, though, I think we're seeing it a little bit in the United States. We saw it in the last in two thousand sixteen, but we're seeing it in Canada, both federally and provincially, is that it's a bit of an upside down world in that you know you can have thirty five percent of the voting public. And still have a majority in. Oh, certainly in Canada. It's, yeah. a, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit disheartening in a sense. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about what a great democracy we live in here, and and uh, but I'm not sure if 
if that's the case, if we can have someone who gets 35% of the voting public, or in this case, I think he got 40% of the election, but even that, and then rule as if he has a super majority. You sound like you voted yes on the proportional representation referendum. I, I would always support, <laughs> I would always support proportional representation, but cause it's, a, it's more democratic, but, but this, you know, here, like he, so I don't know. I basically, I don't know. I think normally I would say politicians are concerned about what the public thinks and their and the polling data and they're looking at that. But it seems to be that that hardcore conservative vote we know is at 30 to 35%. Uh, yeah. And it, I think they're almost a, adopting that sort of Trump mentality of appeal to your base. Don't worry about, you know, make your base happy. Make uh, the people that support you happy. You get some stuff around the edges and you'll have enough to have. Yeah, a well, I mean, government. like 44, 43, 42% might be enough. 30 is not. 30 is not. 30 is not going to care. But if you, if you have, th- let's say, 33% of the public in Canada is conservative, so you have 33% of the, the hardcore people support you, and all you really need to do is have 4 or 5% of the rest and, you know, the people that fluctuate back and forth yeah. and, and, and you're good. So yeah. you, really, you really need to... Uh, you know, I think in in the past, I think you're right. Uh, the government would have uh, listened to public pressure. Now, uh, I hope they will, and well, I think that's our plan. Is we'll we're see. going to put public pressure. Yeah, on you have the pressure on, the, and the press plays a really important the, yeah. role in, in maintaining right. public access to that information. I, I think right. this is an example where they were forced to do not an about face, but at least a pause. That's been mm-hmm. the message, I right? Agree. This hiring is on a pause. Until mm-hmm. we get this report, and then we will see what happens. Now, by all accounts, everything I've read suggests that, like, every police officer that worked with Tavener, like, respected him, yep. good guy, yep. maybe would have done a good job, but the, the process stinks, and that's one of the issues. The other one that came up uh, in December was uh, kind of a left field to me. I hadn't expected it, but a run between Ford's government and Ontario Francophones, which I had not really expected. Don't you mean out of right field? I don't know. Okay. You said out of left field. Oh, frick. Anyway. Wrong side of the spectrum. (laughs) What I would say is uh, there were a couple issues uh, that emerged. One is that um, typically uh, an incoming premier will use some French in the throne speech, and and he didn't. Now, I wasn't wasn't listening with bated breath to Ford's throne speech, but I'll I'll take the CBC's word for it. Uh, The cancellation of the Francophone University, which had been declared by Premier Wynne, was set to open in 2020. And... Uh, the limiting of uh, the ability of the province's independent French language services watchdog uh, to speak out for French language rights uh, across the province. Um, they have led to a, to a kind of a, an uprising of Francophone um, support against Ford, surprisingly, and the loss of his only Francophone MPP, Amanda Simard, who is the one of his 76 MPPs uh, who was actually Francophone uh, since left the caucus. Uh, and left the party. So I, I thought that this one as well spoke to the idea that if enough people, and the Francophone population in Ontario is around 600,000, if enough people are willing to stand up even to a majority government, you can get some movement. Which is why it's really important for us in the education sector to stay united, uh, to stay together, to show strong numbers, to show strong support, even if you're a supporter of conservative policy sure you 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 still have to look at uh i guess for those people look at your own self-interest in the sense that you know these are things that are going to hurt you 
Um, the government isn't 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 going to be your friend on a personal level. So you may like the idea of tax cuts, and you may like the idea of of uh, government getting out of things that private sector can take care of. And, and I understand that. Uh, but you know, the bottom line is you gotta you gotta feed your family, and you gotta look after yourself. And um, I don't know, this like government's not going to help you in that sense. So it's really important that everyone needs to stick together. When it comes to like February eighth, we need to be out yep. there. Uh, whatever's coming down the road, come the uh, end of summer into August, September, we're going to get into probably more as we get into contract negotiations. Yeah, it'll be tight. It's going to be it's going to be a situation where uh, sticking together matters. So you mentioned Francophone community has six hundred thousand. Think of uh, you know we have a large number of teachers yep. in this province and and education workers in general and uh, actually public sector workers because uh, you know now there's obviously they're going to they're changing healthcare. There's some t- talk of uh, looking at um, basically uh, privatizing some health services in Ontario. So so there's going to be a big pushback across every public sector uh, ministry, and, and I think we all need to stick together. Yeah, I mean, democracy is, is in part a, a, question, a question of compromises. There, you're not going to find a candidate. I mean, right. if you ran yourself, you would be happy with everything you did, but it's going to be hard, thankfully, to find two of you. Because one, <laughs> one is about all we can take. Well, I, do yeah. have, I do have a brother who uh, looks a lot like me. <laughs> Does so, he share your sentiment? Uh, no, he, he maybe did in the old days, but he's 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 got <laughs> he's grown up. He's got responsibility. He, he's grown now. up. He's grown up. I'm still stuck in the past, <laughs> and you know he's uh, wealthier than me and has a has a big job and uh, you know lobbies the government and he uh, he. He's, he's more wishy-washy with his politics oh, than wow. I am. So, like, you're not going to get everything you want, but no. you have to find a candidate, the candidate that provides you the most of what you want, and you find the allies around you who who can help you push for the candidate who will give you the most of what you want. And we're going to find public. I'm still, lo- I'm still looking for that for me in, in, in Canada. In <laughs> How fact. about in a mirror? Sorry, if you look in a mirror. Well, yeah, I already ran once. I'm not doing it again. That was a one-time only thing. Uh, that was before social media. I think I'd be in trouble Yeah, now. that's for the best. That's in everyone's <laughs> yeah. best interest. Yeah. Okay. We wanted to, to finish our last segment with that and the idea that uh, here are a couple of issues on which the public did push back, and there was some response from the Ford government. So when we call for you to, uh, to help out, join together, and stick together, uh, we're doing it with purpose uh, and hoping to achieve something. We'll be right back to sign off. Today's podcast is brought to you by large camper type vehicles. Large camper type vehicles are perfect for any use, particularly when they are paid for with government dollars and if your friends are willing to keep them off the books. With large camper type vehicles, you can multipurpose. They allow you to hide from constituents, hide bodies, spirit yourself away from nosy press conferences, or convene an OP commissioner hiring panel. If all else fails, a large camper-type vehicle can double as a mobile meth lab in the New Mexico desert. I saw that, Sean. If someone calls your purchase an abuse of power, just remind them you only wanted a used one. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks very much for listening in on episode two. And a reminder to get yourself to Todd Smith's office on Friday, February 8th at 3.30 p.m for a no cuts to education information session. Uh, Members of the political action committee will be there and we hope to spread the message further. Um, So bring a friend, 
send a tweet, Instagram post, Facebook post, etc., to get your friends out. CeeLo, what did you want to have? Well, the, everyone should have received an email today from uh, Scott about registering for the provincial bargaining survey. Okay. The provincial office has sent out uh, an email to remind people to register to survey to see what your wishes are for the upcoming round of central bargaining negotiations. It uh, can be a complicated process to register on provincial website, okay. uh, so you may have to have some patience with that. If you remember your password, you're good. Oh. If, you, if you didn't, it, it can be a bit of a trial, but I encourage everyone to go out there and register and have their say. Make your voice heard, for sure. Uh, finally, the real reason that people tune in tonight is not for the political commentary, but the sweet release of sports. Pats are two-and-a-half-point favorites Sunday uh, over the LA Rams. Your pick? Uh, you can't go against Tom Brady in a big game. So, Pats. I despise them. So do I. I for, for my entire football cheering career, they've been awesome. I'm probably going to. You are a young pup, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to put some money down on them and then have them not cover. That will probably be the way it goes. So, I lose the money and they still win or something so like that. So, they're going to win by less than two and a half points or something? Sure, you can win by one, you can win I by know. two. I, I think they're going to win by seven plus. Oh, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. So a reminder to uh, always email us at d29pac at gmail.com. That's district29pac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Thanks to Billy Bragg and our soundtrack, There's Power in a Union. Uh, spread the message around uh, of our show in episode two. And we'll be back in late February when it's a little bit warmer to record episode three.